All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Heads and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa. And we are joined today by another gentleman who uh, is a dad who likes horror, <laughs> who has his own podcast. Uh, we reached out to him. We are joined by Jason from the Dads from the Crypt podcast. How you doing, Jason? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, hey, man. welcome, man. Yeah, like uh, I've, I've, I just, I just kind of started getting into listening to your show. I like your guys' banter a lot. <laughs> I think I like you. You guys, yeah. you can tell that you guys really get along and, and vibe with each other. I think you got some great stuff going there. My absolute favorite part, though, is the fact that you do like the whole episode breakdown, like at the top of the episode. It's like here's mm-hmm. a synopsis. It's see, we just assume that people watching this show have seen the movie, and we're like, we're just jumping in both feet. That's yeah. how we do. Yeah. Well, the beauty of Tales from the Crypt, it's usually really they're short and to the point. And again, because you can't legally stream them anywhere, a lot of people haven't seen them in so long. Mm-hmm. Ah, so okay. it's we feel it's important to go through everything. Again, it doesn't take much, but synopsizing is much harder than you think it is. So <laughs> we have a really great uh, division of labor. So we're really happy when Jody can uh, do that for us. Yeah, I, uh, no, I guess it was the most recent episode where you guys did too for the show. You're like, we're so glad you're back because without you, it's a real shit show. <laughs> It really is. <laughs> well, I'm also impressed. Just, just real quick about your show before mm-hmm. we get too far. This, I'm impressed by that. We do 90 minutes on like an hour and a half to two hour movies. You guys do 90 minutes on an episode of Tales from the Crypt. It's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, we kind of add little bits and pieces to it. <laughs> like, you know, I think the Tales from the Crypt, I, I say, is kind of the window dressing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the the draw, but like you know, the banter, like you said, and just us goofing off and just riffing, is and- you know. You, you can, guys you can also... leave after this show is done, and that's fine too. But um, you want to hear us give terrible dad advice or talk about really obscure metal music? And there you really go. That's, what that's, that's my favorite thing about you it. You guys are metal yeah. guys. We're metal guys. Like uh, mm-hmm. Dave's a little bit more of the heavy. I'm more of the like post hardcore metal. But we're we're metal guys too. So absolutely. Yeah. I like hearing it. All right. Well, we are glad that Jason is joining us, and we went out and got him because. We needed somebody around the same age as us that has got the the potential to talk about the new Hellraiser. That's right. We're coming at you. The brand new Hellraiser just released on Hulu. It's rare that we get to do a movie so close to it being released. But since it was released immediately to streaming, uh, we were given the opportunity to do this one pretty quickly. And definitely wanted to reach out and find somebody who's got the chops for talking um, Hellraiser. So... When we're looking at this new one, what we've got is a it's, a it's a remake, it's a reboot, it's a requel, all of those damn words, whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure which one exactly fits. They say it fits into the original continuity. How exactly is a little bit, it's a little bit wonky. I'm sure we're going to get to that a little bit more. But I mean, first and foremost, I just want to know, like, is it 
is it a good movie? Like, does it have a good spot in the Hellraiser canon? I'm going to start off with you, Jason. That's a really complicated question because <laughs> the canon of this series is so effed up. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's not clean. So we all. had like we had the original, which was directed by Clive Barker, and he basically he wrote the novel, the novella, to allow him to do the movie. So because I think he wanted to do a movie, so he said, "Let me just I have this idea for a novella that'll kind of jumpstart me into the movie." So he did this movie as a breakout hit. They did the sequel almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, uh, which he was involved with, but he didn't direct. And then I believe the third one came out he, a couple of years. Wrote, so it was it was still his did story. Did he write it? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, again, we had the third one, um, which went away a little more generic. And then mm-hmm. the fourth one was actually really ambitious. Yes. Yeah, I and agree. it was directed, it was somewhat directed by Kevin Yeager, but he took his name off of it. Yeah, I got the Alan um, Smithy on there. So yeah, so those so I look at those four as like kind of a phase one. You can really look at the first two as like the f- phase one, and then the other two were kind of the more commercial phase two, and then we go to this whole other phase of direct to video installments. That are, most of them are other scripts they just put a Cinnabite in, uh, mm-hmm. just to, just to call it a Hellraiser movie. So we have that, and mostly the two thousands, and then we have two last movies which were basically done to keep the rights of the. Of Hellraiser, so it's like, yeah, how do you where do you put this blood, one? Bloodborne, right? um, it was Revelations judgment? and oh, Judgment. Yeah, I yeah. kind of liked yeah. Judge, uh, the last one, Judgment, a judgment. little bit. It, it was at least it was trying something, there was an attempt, yeah. So, but anyway, but like, again, how do you fit this movie with all of that? I <laughs> really, the best way to think of it is just, I don't know, it's hard. Do you compare which of those movies do you compare it to? I really just consider the first four. Because um, by the time you get to the other ones, it gets really complicated. Um, yeah. So the the thing is, they fundamentally change the nature of the puzzle in this one. So it's kind of hard to say it's in the same universe as those other ones. That, that's, that's where I get tripped up. Like, yeah, okay, Pinhead can look different things different times. But the box itself is in the mythology is fundamentally different in this one. So I like almost like an alternate universe, I think, is the best way. All right, Dave, what do you think? So this is this is a series where I think you, you can't you can't think too much about continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, um, <laughs> for our fiftieth episode, we did Phantasm, and <laughs> and that's and that's a series where like continuity is key, you know, because one movie leads right into the other, and and it's the same creative team all the way through. Um, but this is very different because Barker, even though his name is attached as producer to all except maybe the last one, uh, the, the last before this one, um, he wasn't really involved in the creative process since the second one. So um, so it, I, I think you're right in that you have to think of you know Hellraiser and Hellbound as like one universe. And there's like an offshoot of it where you get three and four. Um, and I'm with you. I, there's there's a lot to like about four, even though it's like a mess. Um, and then the direct video ones, I mean, they're not even really Hellraiser movies, you know, so, right. so like that's its own continuity. And if you enjoy uh, Doug Bradley as Pinhead, like it's fun. And that's yeah. that's that's about all that they are. So I don't try to reconcile this movie with the others because I I think that there's even some contention within the creative team 
as to what this movie is, because I, I heard the director in an interview say that this was a continuation of the original series. And then uh, what the studio is putting out is that this is another adaptation of the novel, except that this has very little of the novel in it. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that the depiction of the uh, the Cenobites maybe is a little closer to the novel than what we got in the movie, the original movie. Um, so I, I, I don't know that I prefer it. I just think it's different. Um, what I do think this movie has that I think even the third and the fourth didn't have is that it felt like a Hellraiser movie. Yeah. And uh, and that's that's a feel that's really difficult to capture because it's it's part like cocaine fueled uh, nightmare, you know, and um, and 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 part um, industrial S&M in, club. In, yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> it's a weird intersection of like oddly specific things that I, I think really define Clive Barker, you know, uh, and I, I think that this movie captures it somehow. Uh, because it doesn't look like the original Hellraiser, but it feels like it in a lot of yes. different ways. And and I think that on that premise alone, I I thought of it as a success. Yeah, I uh, I mean, it, this it's weird that I didn't uh, I didn't want to like this movie. I'm not gonna lie. Like <laughs> I I I didn't I. I, I wanted this to come out and for me to be like, I knew that they shouldn't, you know, just let some <laughs> deadlock, you know, let, let some dead dogs lie or whatever. But I, man, as I watched it afterwards, uh, Dave was like, what'd you think? And I was like, I, I don't know. I was like, I need to sit on it. What I know is that for the past two hours, like I've been one big tense muscle and my breathing has been shallow. Yeah. And then Dave perfectly said, that's because this one feels like a Hellraiser movie. And you're, mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. Like it, this movie did a lot. I think that it was very ambitious in some of the stuff that it wanted to tackle some of the ways that it wanted to go about things. I think that in some instances that really paid off. Mm -hmm. I think that in others, it didn't necessarily, but I do think that it had some genuinely scary shit. And these new Cenobites, man, they uh, they are something else. Yeah. Um, and I know we're, we're, we're going to talk about them, but you, you got a ton of pinhead in this movie, which when you go back to Hellraiser Hellbound, you he was there, obviously, but it wasn't a it wasn't a pinhead centered movie. No, not it, at all. It was about the lives that that he that he affected. He didn't even and, have a name in that. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so you get this one, and Pinhead is very much a character, which again, I wanted to not like that. I wanted to be like, oh, they're killing the mystery of Pinhead. But you know what? Fuck that. La this this new Pinhead was awesome yeah. and did a great job. And Bring it, leaving these Cenobites in this film and and leaving and making them movie monsters instead of just plot devices was was a cool way to go about that while not treading the waters of some of those some of those later Hellraiser movies. You know when you get into Dreader, wasn't there one called Dreader? Dreader, 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 Inferno. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you you didn't get oh, into those oh, weird waters. Of those direct to the, those direct to video ones, so I think that it was scary, and 
how much I liked it, I think I'm going to be on the fence about like right up until minute 88 of this podcast. <laughs> but I I liked it. I think they did a good job. Uh, I, I think Hellraiser's back. Mm-hmm. One can hope. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully this is just the beginning of something new. So I went into this wanting to like it, kind of the opposite of you. <laughs> because, you know, I think David Bruckner has done some great stuff. I love the original. Yeah. That was a fantastic movie. Um, and again, the bar has been lowered so far. Um, but when, <laughs> like the question South is, Park when they had to send James Cameron down. <laughs> yeah, so the bar has been lowered so much, but the original, the first couple are so high. So it's like, where is it gonna? It, it, mm-hmm. If it clears the bar of the newer ones, it's it's a quote success. But will we be happy if it gets near? How close does it does it need to get to the first two? And right. actually, I'm a huge fan of Hellbound. I, 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 yeah. Hellraiser, I think that Hellbound's the best of the series. Yeah, I mean, Hellraiser's great, only most mostly because of the Julia character, um, and also in the second one too. But I think but Hellbound that's, is that's, just, that's why Hellbound works so well. Yeah, yeah, because right. she becomes like I, I'm really. It's a, it's a crime that she's not considered like more horror villain than mm-hmm. like royalty. Um, it just it's more balls to the wall, just out there, crazy shit happening everywhere. Yeah. Like when there's like uh, you're in the insane asylum and people are just, are just holding the boxes everywhere, chains just going everywhere and all that stop motion. Um, oh yeah. Effects. So, and I liked in this one that they used a lot of Hellbound ideas, like the Leviathan. The, the Leviathan, yeah, yeah. It's all from Hellbound. None of that's from the original Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked a lot of what they were going for. There's some things that didn't quite hit for me. I didn't really like most of the human cast i didn't really like the lead i don't know what it was she just didn't really engage me very much i thought she was maybe from arrested development for like the first 30 minutes she of the looked movie. like um <laughs> what's her name alia shawkat i think is her name yeah yeah she does she, she does look like her but she only had like one mood it seemed like she was kind of always there yeah, and, so, and there was a lot of telling not showing like she talked about you know being in program and she talked about you know how strained her relationship with her brother was, but I didn't see a lot of showing per se. So she, the character, um, reminds me a lot of someone in my life who um, I hold very dear to my heart, mm-hmm. and um, and I, I don't want to you know name any names or anything right. like that, you know. Uh, but it's it's someone who um, has has struggled with. Um, you know, just stuff, mm-hmm. um, whole life, and uh, and so I found the character endearing because I saw that person in the character, and 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 I I know, like I can recognize already that part of the reason why I found that character endearing is for that reason, and not because the character itself was particularly fleshed out or the character was particularly well written um i'm with you i think that all these characters were more or less just um you know stop gaps on 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 the road to you know the the climax of the story yeah everyone just seemed very one-dimensional like yeah the the shitty boyfriend the concerned brother the supportive uh boyfriend (laughs) the bland roommates with an accent with an accent accent. (laughs) there Um, there has to be one british person otherwise it's not really a hellraiser where the fuck do these movies take place man (laughs) 
Like, Dude, did I, you see the names in the credits? I still don't know. Like, <laughs> they say it's Boston, I think, but yeah, sure. yeah, that was funny. I yeah. that was the Berkshires and <laughs> Boston. Like, oh, oh, this is Boston. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and when we look at the Hellraiser franchise, you know, that's where a lot of the sequels suffer. That's that's where mm-hmm. things tend to fall by the wayside. Is we end up with these real kind of weak two dimensional protagonists. Um, or a villain who's kind of pushing the the agenda of the lamentation configuration or whatever. But so, I, I mean, yeah, kind of two-dimensional, but were you able to find yourself, like, did you feel sympathetic about any of these people? Like, were you, could you, or was, was there an empathy or sympathy or anything? Or were you yeah. just like, ah, let's see what happens? I mean, yeah, <laughs> of course I was sympathetic, but I wasn't, I don't know. I, her, I didn't, find her acting that great and I'm, i don't mean i don't mean to dunk on her but it wasn't i, I really didn't think any acting in this was particularly good listen man we we did session nine and yeah. uh and, and and all we did for for about an hour and a half was was just dump on david caruso so and, uh, so it's okay go, and the go guy on. who recommended that movie and was on the episode is one of our biggest fans so <laughs> <laughs> by we um, i mean me <laughs> And again, I don't know if that uh, – I just find the script to be very nuanced. It was all just very matter-of-fact. Like, what are you doing here? What Get away from the box. Just, it wasn't <laughs> yeah, much. Like, there's, there's a moment where um, where Trevor comes in and uh, and Mr. Voigt has cut open the, the, the brother's boyfriend. I forget his name mm-hmm. all of a sudden. But, I, um, I think it's Colin. Yeah, and he's and he and Trevor starts screaming, Why did you do that? Yeah. Don't you know it works on them? We could have, and he stood it like in three different ways that they could have stabbed the Cenobite. It's like, dude, obviously, this guy doesn't care, like, but he just kept <laughs> on it. And I was like, okay, like, I like that phrase you used of they did a lot of telling, not showing, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I couldn't quite put my finger on kind of what was bothering me about some of it. And I think that that really accurately describes it. We We always talk a lot about. Uh, movies that we've done where the relationship between a brother and a sister are really well done. Like for, for, for all of Jeepers Creepers faults that that brother sister relationship was very believable. Mm -hmm. We've done plenty of these movies where you get uh, older, younger siblings or two siblings that are the same. And it's very believable. This one, I think that you're right. I think that they told too much. Like they they pushed on us too hard how strained their relationship was instead of there just being situations in which we got involved in their in their relationship and and could understand the tension that was there. Just the oh well, you you tell me to get the fuck out. Well, get the fuck out. It's like, come on. Like, I mean, I I agree I agree with a lot of I, I agree with a lot of that. I do think that this particular movie didn't take that idea of running with the stereotype character and creating it, making it into be something more. Uh, like some of the movies we did, we did Terrifier last week. We talked mm. about how these were very paper thin characters, and yet these actors managed to turn them into something right. um, because the writing was nuanced. Yeah, because sometimes the acting can elevate. Yeah, if, and if that, there's a chemistry and everything. But yeah, and I just, yeah. And, well, it's funny because I like the Voight character a lot, but yeah. again, we hear about how he's this occultist and how he's um he's kind of the frank he's kind of a mix between frank and chenard yeah yeah but we never really see again see much of either one like like with frank you know there's the the flashback to him and julia where he just kind of shows up on in the rain before a wedding and they go upstairs and you know 
get it on but like again i would like to see a flashback just to show us how debauched he is right because yeah. that character a little more yeah, yeah like the, the the height of his debauchery we got was the fact that like he murdering was, the um uh the the escort or you know, yeah whatever. yeah, yeah. like yeah. and then there was just there was an orgy going on at his place but if your place is that big i just assume there's always an orgy going on <laughs> in one of the yeah. rooms like once your house is that big i think there's just an orgy room like you don't even like is people that, don't even have to announce themselves anymore is that like the rule of large room large houses yes, <laughs> eventually, yeah eventually with enough rooms there's gonna be an orgy I think uh, like eleven rooms is your limit. Once you get to twelve rooms in your house, there one must of them got to be, be dedicated orgy to orgies. That's uh, yeah. that's how that works. Uh, now, I, I always now. wanted if I had a house that big, <laughs> I wanted to have a room with a suspended floor where the floor was essentially a trampoline, and the walls were made of Velcro, there nice. and you could put on a Velcro suit. And just stick to the wall. The problem is, how the fuck do you get down? So I, I've I've been working it out in my head, like maybe some Still sort of like electric this. current, you know? Uh, I don't know. Um, but at that point, like if you have a house that size with a trampoline Velcro room, you have to have a Jeeves who can come and just right. There's got to the be wall. somebody you made <laughs> to just rip you off the wall. But uh, again, with the telling not showing, they they spend all they, there's all these articles about how. He's this famous occultist. But then when we see his room, what do we get? A blank book that you mm-hmm. can't really tell what it is and an anal pair. I'm That's just a sadist? Like, that doesn't make you an occultist. That just makes you really into medieval torture techniques. Yeah. And well, I, I, I will say that I think that there was an attempt to, um, to show his... Um, his fascination with the occult because that that room where um, everything is red and there's um, like the 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 S and M whips on on the wall. It seemed like there was again, some sort of yeah yeah. I mean, but but then again, in that what the what the cenobites are. Yeah, you know? no, sure, you're right. Um, you know, uh, to to me, it did kind of seem like there was an attempt to make him um a follower in their arts uh because that that room did give off some sort of like cultist vibe you know because it definitely wasn't a straight sex dungeon you know a la 50 shades of gray um you know i I think it was built over a well to hell apparently (laughs) um i don't don't know man uh hey dude look if i was gonna build a sex dungeon i honestly can't think of a better place i I mean well i've got this well to hell what else am i gonna do with this room again the other thing that money i I, the other thing i liked about um him in particular um is that his house gave off like that that first time that we see the house i got real big edgar Allan poe vibes like it reminded Mm. me of the mask of the red death I, and yeah. uh and, and i and i think that that's again something that like barker drew from for the original uh hellbound uh hellbound heart and and uh hellraiser is is that sort of like gothic uh storytelling that you get in those those post stories and and I think that was present throughout the movie. Uh, it was always dark. And um, I read a couple reviews that said like um, the best Hellraiser movie you can't see uh, because of, because of how dark it was. And like, yeah, but, but I think right. that's kind of the point. Have you seen the you Hellraiser know? movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I don't know. I, I think you know we've been talking about characters. So I, I, I say let's stay here, and then we'll we'll circle around a story after. Um, are there any characters that stood out for you in a good way or a bad way, whether they were protagonist or uh, or antagonist? Um, we we mentioned um, what the fuck's his name? Um, Trevor Trevor Voigt. Voigt, yeah, Voigt. Yeah. So um, uh, so obviously Voigt. Was there anyone else? I liked I liked Colin quite a bit actually. Mm-hmm. He's he's the the boyfriend, and again I liked that there was a gay couple who they were just gay. There wasn't anything about the plot that made it like mm-hmm. right. It was very incidental, and the fact that they actually showed them, you know, embracing in bed and just you know just being a couple was mm-hmm. kind of I kind of liked that instead of you know instead of just having like oh okay he's either just having a basic heterosexual couple or having a gay couple, but you don't actually show them embracing or anything just kind of having them just being you know separate sides of the couch right so i like i like it was just a casual gay couple that was, and that was that was nice well, he's also I, very su- supportive of riley and mm-hmm. trying to like being the go-between between her and her brother um i, I kind of thought that was kind of sweet yeah and he did a great job with relaying how much that relationship meant to him in, in the fact that that matt was gone and he was still making sure that he took care of Riley. Right. And mm-hmm. he he did a lot to make sure that that if 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 Matt was really gone, which at this point he kind of accepted that mm-hmm. that what he had left in this world was protected, which which I thought was really good. Uh, you were talking just uh, to backtrack on Voight for just a second, though. You were talking about um, the the Mask of the Red Death, Povods. I kept getting Vincent Price vibes. Yeah. off of mm-hmm. him yeah. like i kept like real heavy like house on haunted hill like vincent price feel to the way that he was in this house and it was only you know it was it was piled on with the fact that the house was very had very like art deco style yeah. decorations inside and the old like those switches seem like something that's out of a 60s you know monster movie mm-hmm. with the, the yeah. switches that make gates open and close and stuff like that so that I, I I agree with those. I think those are definitely two of the better ones. Um, yeah, I I think he's definitely the best character in in the movie. He's he's a great villain. Um, I wish that there had been some sort of establishment as to how he and um what was the Trevor. boyfriend Trevor was it. Oh yeah, yeah well, I, I assumed that because Voight was an art, it seemed like an art collector, and the other guy was an artist, that they just kind of met somehow. Yeah, um, but said, again, that's us kind of filling it in. Yeah, he yeah. said he delivered to like rich people all the time, so maybe that was maybe he had tried to steal again, filling in the blanks. Maybe he tried to mm-hmm. steal from him before and got caught, and was like, "Well, if you need money, you know." I I, I think that you don't need to um, explicitly say how everything connects but there does need to be i think at least an implication um and and i i don't i don't think there's even that like we we have to take at least two jumps in logic to get to to get to that relationship here's how you fix it this is me going back fixing the movie so (laughs) we have the opening scene where joey who we assume is an escort is kind of walking through and there's just kind of random people everywhere there could have been a flashback to show that Trevor was actually at the same party and you could have Voight and Trevor having just like a glance or, or some understanding mm-hmm. and that would show like some more debauchery or something that that would kind of set up both characters better okay. having a flashback yeah, later works. in the movie. Um, 
Well, I want to know. First of all, Voight is played by Goran. And I'm not sure if I can say his last name. Vis- oh, couldn't begin to. Vis- 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 yeah, who is who's, who's from? Uh, what does that mark above the S even mean? I don't know. But he's from uh, ER for uh, men of a certain age. Right. <laughs> um, but what I want to know is, so he made all those sacrifices. Presumably Joey was the last. He right. asked for um, sensation or um, pleasure. Yeah they, yeah, they gave him that whatever device. So he's been in the walls of the house for six years, or did he go with to, with the Cinnabites to hell then escape like Frank did? Oh, that's the part I don't I understand. They, I don't. I don't think he ever went to hell. Thing in his chest, and we're like, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but did they also make it so he can survive that? Because that's not the kind of thing someone could survive for six years. Yeah, maybe chest wound like that. Seal. I mean, when they when they did finally rip it off, they were able to heal him up. So I guess when they punched it through his chest, they just made it part of his body. Uh, it, it, but but then why did then why did he like disappear? The, like where where what's he been eating? Where's he been going? There's <laughs> that is true because it didn't look like anything had happened in that house. And he's still wearing the same suit. It looks like he wore that time, all those years ago. Well, you can't get the suit off after that thing's on. <laughs> You know, like I'm sure he could take his pants off to to like you know use the bathroom, but, but, but it's completely clean though. Yeah, it is a very clean suit for six years in, isn't it? Well, he hadn't gone anywhere. But I mean, if you've been in the walls of a house for six years, I mean, that rest of the house was dirty. Like, is he shaving? He's he's, he's getting <laughs> he, haircuts. Yeah, he must have shaved. Yeah, <laughs> and stay that, that had like bringing barbers out yeah. and then killing them afterwards. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so that that part like again that was something i felt like just wasn't fleshed out it wasn't like thought out through like mm-hmm. we kind of we knew he was going to come back some point like i figured again he was i figured he was dragged to hell he was going to escape somehow like kind of like frank did right um well pinhead does mention um that they did not properly assess what he wanted yeah because again and- he because and this is, I think, might be a common thing in in some communities where someone says that they want, you know, be part of uh, a BDSM relationship, but really they they just want to have power over other people. That's right. kind of what they talk about: how you actually want power, Leviathan. Yeah, right. so I I don't think that they actually take him into the you know the the farther reaches you know or wherever mm-hmm. it is that they exist uh, you know the space between spaces um until the very end right yes at and least I, probably, I, I i didn't see it that way yeah that, and that last very very last bit that was probably the, the coolest part of the whole movie that was man that was that was that was rad uh, yeah. There's one. There's one other character, and even though she had a really small part, part of this is just because I really like the actress uh, and everything. But the 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 woman who played uh, Serena Menneker, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. lawyer, that actress. Uh, and again, I'm gonna massacre her name, but I'm gonna say Hayam Abbas uh, is her name. She's Palestinian. She's mm-hmm. in Succession. She's in Blade Runner 2049. Uh, yeah. She was in. in yeah, what was that Ridley Scott uh, Exodus? She was in that Ridley oh, Scott yeah. movie Exodus. She's she's always really good, but in this it was I thought that what was amazing about her performance in this was when we first see her she's this bold confident woman who who works for this billionaire and she's she's in the she's at the bar at the orgy and buying the this guy a drink or not even buying him a drink just taking him back to meet Voight and everything and she's she's so bold and so confident. And then the next time we see her, she's just physically she's crumbling. Yeah. 
But mentally, she's still that bold, confident, strong. When he says, maybe this isn't the best time. My lungs are my lungs are melting from the inside or something like that. There's never going to be a better time. Yeah. She did such a good job in that real limited role. And I do think that part of that, though, is just every time I see her, I always really like the role she's playing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good role. I think it was kind of like what, julia was in the first hellraiser you know yeah, it's, kind of, it's, yeah i think the very first shot of her walking i think is supposed to mimic i don't remember exactly which one of the shots of julia on her way out to right. meet some men um but speaking of her in that first shot how fucking cool would it have been that that was doug bradley as the man handing over the box so oh, i i look great. i look into that because i was like because I, I, I watched the entire credits just assuming i missed where doug bradley was yeah, he wasn't. And yeah, because he, he wasn't in it at all. So I did look into it, and apparently they reached out to him to be in it, but <laughs> he wanted to protect what his Hellraiser legacy was, yeah. uh, which is fascinating because we've talked about some of the ones that he was pinhead <laughs> in. Uh, and so he didn't want to mess with that. But I watched the whole movie looking for the Doug Bradley cameo. I just right. kept waiting. So- Again, if you could rewrite this movie, if you could put them at the very top and get that cameo out of the way, there you it's go. It's kind of like in Psycho. Um, everyone knows that Hitchcock likes to put himself in movies. So right. at the very beginning of Psycho, he puts his cameo like within the first five minutes, so people could focus on the movie and not wait for the Hitchcock um, right. cameo. But again, for the theme of the movie, it'd been cool because he's handing the the box over to the next generation, right? Generation. Um, I, I totally you know understand why he wouldn't want to be you know in the new one or draw any attention from it. But so, I, was hoping, I was hoping that would have been cool. So speaking of that opening scene, and we've kind of, we've talked around uh, the lament configuration. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about the characters. When we look at the actual story here, again, this is somewhere where after Hellraiser and Hellbound, they wanted to keep making them, but they didn't know how to keep that story going. So we got things that were all over the place. And so when you look at this new one, uh, and Dave, I'll throw it to you first. Like, like, does is this story any good? Does it does it feel right? Does it does it stack up to Hellraiser and Hellbound? So I, I think that part of what makes Hellraiser work so well is that it is a very simple story. Um, it's basically a story about someone who died wants to come back. That's it. I mean, that's all there is to the original Hellraiser. It's it's all of the atmosphere that goes into that movie and uh, like the incredible special effects and great characters right. that make that movie what it is. Once you get to Hellbound, you have an incredibly complex story with uh, with with like crazy um, like Cenobite. Um, like class structure, right? Yeah. Because because now it's not that these guys are equals. Uh, you know, Pinhead is definitely the leader of this group, and and the the Leviathan is like their god. So there's there's a there's a level of complexity that's brought into that that story, and then you know it, everything that happens with uh, with Chenard in that movie is um, like there's a lot of twists and turns to it. Um, I don't know that the story is any good, <laughs> even, even, even in Hellbound. I don't know that the story is any good, but it is fucking interesting. Right. Um, and, and it, it keeps you engaged. And I think that this movie did that. Um, 
I I would have loved to have seen this story with characters that were a little more fleshed out. Um, maybe even a character who was likable. Uh, that would have been nice. Um, like I'm not the kind of guy who needs likable characters. Like I watched all, you know, whatever, eight or nine seasons of Mad Men, you know, and there's not mm. one likable motherfucker in that show, but, uh, but it's great nonetheless. And I think that this movie would have benefited from a character that was um, in Hendrix. Uh, yeah. And you know, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we kind of had that with Colin. Uh, we kind of had it with Colin. Colin is a, is a fairly likable character. Um, but... He spends his whole time like helping other people. He's not right. Very, yeah, you know he's he's, he's not really psychic. developed. He's he's the he's the boyfriend. He's the brother's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So so he's he's never really um, you know explored to, to to any real degree. Um, and and so be, because of that, I think that the the story, which required some good characters in there, seems like it falls flat. But the the story, I think, is is decent. Um, and there's there's enough twists and turns. You know, even if we know that Void is going to come back at some point, um, you know, it's like fuck, who didn't know that Frank Cotton was wasn't going to come back in that first one? Right. You know, they kill the, they kill the guy in the first like two minutes of the movie. You know, he's obviously going to come back. So uh, I think that the story was good enough. It provided enough situations for uh, the Cenobites to give us some uh, some really cool kills. Um, and I mean, ultimately, that's why you come to a Hellraiser movie right. is, is for the Cenobites, not the not the story, you know. Um, so I um, I want to say I like it. OK, I, 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 I <sighs> like it. And it felt hellraisery whatever that is uh i can't put my finger on what Ooh. that is you know we've described a couple different things you know it's poe it's gothic it's it's dark um uh it's it's sexy it's snm it's it's all these things and it's none of them it's just it, it's barker it's clive barker and it felt like it right jason what do you think man well i think the thing that really made it feel like uh, a hellraiser was that chime that, that bell chime which yeah. they they thankfully use like if they had not done that I think I I would have liked this movie a lot less, but something subliminal about hearing that gong yeah. sound, you know, what to announce the Cenobites are coming. It's that tubular bell. Yeah, yeah the tubular bell. Um, and I agree that this movie had really good atmosphere. Um, and I like the story as what they were trying to do. Again, I think the failings of this are the script just, I don't think, I think, I don't know if they, decided they were going to go hard on the Cinebite imagery and they just played it too safe on the actual dialogue, like the literal dialogue. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the acting just, I, I feel like one of the two had to have been better to make this a better movie. Either the dialogue had to have been better or better actors to elevate the dialogue. Um, but both the story, would have been great. Yeah. Obviously, obviously you want both. <laughs> yeah. But, people managed to pull it all off. Well, shoot, I, shoot for the stars, man. You hit the well, one. Yeah. I read the book about Silent Live. They're talking about how like, Good, good cast members can elevate a bad sketch, mm-hmm. but bad cast members can't elevate a bad sketch. So, um, but I could like, I, I did actually really like the box and everything they did with the box. Like there the different configurations are really cool. Um, the fact you actually had to like solve it and not just like rub it around a little bit and give it a twist and then boom, it's solved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I liked that each configuration had a point. 
Um, and like there was a lot of logic that was kind of going on there. That part I liked. Mm-hmm. And again, the overall plot I liked. One thing that did bother me, I forgot to mention this. I didn't love how the Cenobites were so physical, like concrete. Right. Like the fact you could trap a Cenobite in a gate seemed it, a little weird to weird, me. Didn't it? Like they're supposed to be very ethereal. Like they just kind of like appear anywhere and yeah. like not they're kind of not this world um so they don't they don't seem like they should be bound by the constraints of this world but suddenly you can catch one of the gates so maybe if like yeah, like just operate somewhere else yeah, yeah. It, so maybe if there was something about oh the metal used in these gates is x y and z and that's yeah. why they can't mm-hmm. like it depower there's something about balancing them it depowers them but just the fact like oh they can get stuck in the metal gates yeah, and, and it, I'm like, well, can't they like use chains and just tear the gate apart? There's that, and that that's again where they 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 towed the wrong side of that line between mm-hmm. allowing us to figure it out and telling us what's going on. You know, they they kind of said at one point, oh, the the gate he built around this house keeps him out. Like, why? why? Yeah, <laughs> is it they, is it the designs in it? Because they just look like squares. Is it built of a certain metal? You don't have to give me an hour long explanation. No, it could be. You could have you could have had a page in the book that she was flipping that just had yes. like a, a, the name of a metal circled next to the drawing of yeah. the fence. And now or, suddenly I understand why his gates and fences can ward off settlement. right or some symbol <laughs> symbology of it like you know yeah. if, if this is the symbol of leviathan then this is the anti-leviathan symbol and that like depowers them like it's some explanation for why it just it seems silly um yeah that you could that or the fact that they can use so if you're supposed to use the box to get make a sacrifice the fact you could sacrifice cinnabite seems yeah i don't know i I'm, that, that started to get a little fishy like i understood that, the idea that's of the one thing yeah yeah, that was definitely one part of the story. I, I, I understand from the I understand the storytelling element that they were going for there, which is at that point you knew she had to make X mm-hmm. number of sacrifices more th- two at two, the time. Yeah, yeah two. There were two there friends were two left. People left. So, yeah. so I, yeah, I get the storytelling part of that, but also, I mean, come on. And also, it you seems know. like they're playing so loose with it. Like, oh, I the box stabbed this guy, but I really meant that guy. Right. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. He said, he said it's in my like, hand. Really? Are these actual rules? Are these just are these loose guidelines? Like they be more like guidelines, really. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I I, uh, I agree in the fact that I love the new the new mythos of mm-hmm. of the box. I dig that. I love that every way looks a little bit different. So there's there's a slightly different way to go about solving it, and that each one represent something different that you can that you can receive as your gift i thought that going into the explanation of all of that was really cool i think that they did a great job of taking we we you know it's oh it's the puzzle box right and then you just see it and you know that image and they they made it more and they made it cooler and that's always a struggle when you're coming up against this many movies and this much mythology to create something that is new but doesn't feel forced. The very first time we see it, it's not the 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 lament configuration that we're used to. Well, and so you're the you're shot look the shot, excuse me, the shot looks like it because we're coming in from the side, but then it like yeah. moves. Yeah. 
Like you yeah. Oh no, wait, this is something different. That was yeah. really cool. And so, and so, yeah. And you get that. You're like, wait, what is that thing? And then you see everything that happens. You go, oh, okay. But then by the time they find it, it's just the cube that we know. I thought that that was really cool. I loved everything that went into creating this, this understandable yet deep story of the Cenobites and the priest and all of this. That part of the story, I really, really liked. The idea of a guy who's so rich that he just wants to experience something new and being punished for it. Yeah, that is spot on Hellraiser. Does this thing feel like Hellraiser? A rich guy who thinks he's experienced it all and he wants to feel something new. So he gets stabbed in the chest with a machine that winds his nerves every once in a while. Yeah, that's as Hellraiser as it gets. Yeah, And so... That stuff I thought was all very true and very real to what we've gotten uh, in the past. I think that where this got a little wonky story-wise is that idea of the the main character was was Odessa or Odessa's her real name was Riley. You know, some what was she was she chosen? By Pinhead, was there something special about her? Is that something that that we need to explore more, more in a further movie? I, I that was very. I I was. I wanted something more to explain why the priest was into Riley. Yeah, and I think again, that that is, confused me. This is my, my. This is again. This is conjecture. There's nothing completely concrete. I think sh- the priests. AK Pinhead, blah blah right. blah. Um, mm-hmm. Assume that she was the weakest. That she that's would what sell, I thought. That she would sell out her friends um, to get oh, her. Okay. To get the idea to get her brother back because she's an easy makes, target. Because, so, yeah, it's more because likely she that sold she's out. She sold out it. her friends and family for other pleasures. So therefore, why wouldn't she do that to these other people in order to get her brother back? See, so I think a, there's a solid but, connection for me to be. But on. the movie didn't sell it. Right. I, I, I actually yeah. I watched it twice and I had a lot of trouble hearing what the Cenobites were saying. Yeah, I turned so on I the, I had to, the captions. So I turned on the captions, and what they said was, uh, "The priest says your brother's ending was exquisite. Would it bring you comfort to see him again? Two more, and he is yours. Feed it their pain, their blood. Unlock the next configuration, the last." Then she says, "No, I've had enough." And the, the priest says, "Enough is a myth." Which yeah, God, to I an addict is line. like yeah, it's a good line. Oh. It, one and one is too one is a hundred is never enough and one is too many. Yeah, yeah. That 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 when she when she yeah, enough is a myth. I, I did love that. I did I liked that the story I, I liked that it that it moved around, that we didn't, you know, we weren't stuck in this mansion the whole time. We didn't get there too quickly. Uh but I mean, maybe two hours was a little bit too long. Yeah. You know, I, there, yeah. there there definitely seemed to be some filler here that we probably could have done without. But I think that the story definitely felt like Hellraiser, and it never left mm-hmm. me bored. It, it never left me. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't checking my phone, or the one time I picked up my phone was to text you and tell you I'm 20 minutes in because I could tell the show yeah. was about to hit the fan, and <laughs> that was it. And so, if that's the measure of of how good a story is, or, or you know how engaging a story is, regardless of how good the writing is, how engaging a movie is, then I think that this definitely checks that box. Yeah, that's. I think that's the cardinal sin 
that uh, that any movie could make, whether it's a horror movie or an action movie, a drama, uh, anything is being boring. And this this is a lot of things uh, confusing being one of them. But uh, boring is not one of them. Right. Would, would you guys have liked if so there are three deaths before we really see a death so there's mm-hmm. joey in the beginning there's the brother and then there's um the woman serena we don't they cut away right before we see their deaths would you you think it would have been better if they showed those or left those more mysterious to build up see i think that i think that i honestly think that that is where they made up for that was i think that the idea of not showing those deaths made it more impactful when we did finally see them because we saw blurry in the background we saw chains Mm -hmm. hit joey Mm -hmm. we saw we heard how loud the brothers screamed we saw the walls start to pull away when serena happened so there there was a slow build to it and i you know i i I wanted to complain about how much pinhead there was but I think that it worked out. And I, I do think that keeping those first few, just showing us little bits of it, hearing the hearing Matt scream, God, that must be awful. Seeing just the chain. So you immediately have that nostalgia. They needed something in the beginning. And then uh, just seeing where Serena ended up. So you knew how bad it was going to be. It was, they were giving us all the ingredients before we finally got to seeing mm-hmm a quality Hellraiser death. Yeah. I was wondering if the Matt, if the brother character would show up, but like in a Cenobite form and she'd have to like confront her brother as a Cenobite. That's kind of why I thought the climax oh, movie was going to be. I thought it was heading that way too. And she'd have to like sacrifice her brother or something like that. I, I kept waiting. I kept waiting for, I don't know. I, I got this. I went this really weird direction with it where I was, I was sitting there and, even right until she killed Trevor, I kept having this moment where I kept thinking she was just going to snap and kill herself. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I can't place my finger on why, other than the fact that she's, she's had some awful, awful experiences here lately. And, you know, her, her brother's, her brother's dead and her boyfriend was selling her out to, to Cenobite. So I kept waiting for this moment where she was just going to lay herself on the line for the six one, so I, I I didn't go the same way as y'all. I went somewhere completely weird. <laughs> no, I'm, that makes sense too. Yeah, it's funny because the first thing I thought when she like rejected their gift was uh, war games. The yeah. Only, the only, yeah, the only way to win is to not play. Kobayashi yeah. Maru, that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck! I love anytime there's a Star Trek reference. <laughs> yeah. Um. So since we're kind of on that subject, um. Let's let's skip ahead to that too, and then we'll we'll circle back around to to Cenobites. Um, so, I think the one thing that unites all of the Hellraiser movies is the gore, uh, right. the violence, um, and it's um, it's usually glorious. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, like even the directed video such ones to show you. Uh, yes. Oh, and you know that might be my favorite line in any <laughs> horror movie is we have such sights to show you. Um, explorers in the farther <laughs> reaches. Oh God, Doug Bradley's voice is so good, and I know that that's not what Barker wrote into his novella, but uh, God, it's fucking iconic. You know, it's so good. Um, so how how does the the gore, the violence, the 
the sex, all of it. Um, how does it stand up on its own and I and in relation to the other Hellraiser movies, Jason? Um, I'm trying to remember other than the Frank and Julia. I'm trying to remember other sex scenes. I guess there is like the one in the the three where there's the guy in the club. Um, I kind of, I've always kind of wanted these movies to go a little further with the sex. I know that mm-hmm. they're quote American movies or out the first <laughs> two are like quote American movies, but the sex is relatively bland, at least like as for a movie, has so many BDSM undertones. Um, right. The gore felt good. I would have liked a little more lingering on some of the gore shots. Some of them just kind of happened because there's always that shot of them like getting pulled apart. Yeah, and the best one is of the Cenobite just getting because yeah. we've never seen that happen to a Cenobite. Yeah, I was like, damn. Um, I don't know. I could. I feel like the, especially for a streaming movie, I was kind of like, no one's holding you back, right? Yeah, there's nobody's giving this a rating. There are no um, rules. Yeah, yeah. So again, I don't, but I don't know if they're like, we don't want to go too far with the franchise. But I was kind of like, no, go far, go there. Um, again, I think the final shot is the by far probably the most extreme shot of any, um, poss- po- except for like the guy on the mattress in the second one, who's oh, seen, yeah. who's seen the cockroaches. Yeah, I think I think that shot of 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 uh, Voight being torn apart, like he's my piece, might be like the most extreme shot in like any of the Hellraiser movies. Yeah. Um- one of the things about any movie where you're any movie where you're going to get into a lot of kills, right? You start to wonder how creative they're going to get. And Hellraiser has always been known for for being decently creative with them, and, and I'm good with that. But there was one thing that they did in this movie that should not have made me clench as much as it did. But damn, when uh, the the uh, Nora, the British roommate, mm-hmm. is is chained oh, up, yeah. and they bend her back, and Pinhead takes the pin out and pushes it into her neck. Okay, I if 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 you only know me from this podcast or from the past, uh, let's call it twenty years of my life, uh, fifteen years of my life, then you don't realize that I used to be a heavily pierced individual. Piercings don't bother me. I used to be in a burlesque troupe where we had, uh, we actually had an onstage bit where one of our girls got pierced in her chest like multiple mm. times. That was that was the show. Piercing doesn't bother me, but there was something about the way that they did that. It was the internal shot. Yeah. It was the the internal. I've never shot seen that before. Of watching it go through, where it was. I was fascinated by how easy it was to find something new that made. It, mm, I didn't, I, mm, I didn't know there was a muscle in my taint <laughs> until that scene, and I felt it like, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, yeah, that's interesting." Um, you know what that <laughs> shot reminds me of um, in Anaconda, where the snake is going to eat John Voight, and it yeah. over him, and you get that shot of out of its mouth onto. <laughs> yes, I don't know so, why, but that's that's what it reminded me of. So, so that scene, I, I thought that, I thought that that minimalistic idea of i think that that drove home this i this this concept of finding the extremes of what are pleasure to these bizarre creatures that are cenobites i i felt like that scene that was that was so simple 
and what was it? Uh, one of the James Bond movies where all they did was hit him in the nuts with a rope. And Casino they, yeah. yeah, and they talk about how absurd uh, torture techniques have gotten because it's the easiest things that work the best. That was what I got out of this. I was, I was, ooh, I was hurting for for Nora in that one. That that really got me. Uh, again, yeah, the the sex we got what we got we got a passing shot of an orgy over there. Mm-hmm. We we got we got Riley saying harder before her boyfriend said he loved her. You yeah. know, just yeah, that just that's like silk stocking sex is what we got out of this movie. And <laughs> and I I I would have I would have yes I would have liked there to be more sex. The the constant undertone of this being. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, a BDSM thing, uh, and and obviously not sticking to to what real BDM BDSM is, but but that whole, I mean, down to the fact that the you know he used to wear the all leather. I'm not even sure what the yeah. new one's wearing, but I dig it. Uh, well, but well, I read was it's actually their own skin that they've like flayed. Into yeah, the and that was that, that was yeah. really cool. Yeah, and so. I think that well, I think that the, that the gore that we got, the gore and the violence that we got was cool, but and the sex, but man, it's Hellraiser. Give me, give me more. Uh, I will say, however, though, second most effective scene for me. Again, not that gory, but man, when they use piano wire on Colin instead of hooks, yeah, oh, that one, that one, that that one didn't make me tense up. That one made me physically hurt. Because I've cut myself with wire before, and, and uh, seeing that audition much vibes, it, yes, yeah, oh, hmm. yeah, we're gonna get to that <laughs> one eventually, but uh, but yeah, like those, those, those two in particular really, really stood out because I agree. I think that I think that they could have pushed that envelope. I think so too, um, and I I also think that no. No Hellraiser movie gets close to the first two um, after Hellbound. Um, right. It just um, – th- those movies really, I think, push the envelope for for what can be seen on screen. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that anyone pushed the envelope in that way again until we got hostile. Um, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and we've, we've talked it's about it here. Yeah. Um, yeah, um see, but even so that that first Saw movie is not even the second one still. It, it, they're they're not gory. You know, it's it's the 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 psychological effect of knowing what they're gonna do. You or know, getting I, thrown I, into a pit of hypodermic needles. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it, it's the wrist cut, the wrist uh, oh, drop. the wrist stuck in the mm. yeah. okay, that, that one that one was fairly gory. Mm. Um I but even like the the um, where she has to dig through her the person's in the guts to get the key out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those first couple um, Saw movies were were super creative. I'll give them that. The, yeah, the one, I will give the third one. There's this amazing. There's that amazing kill where again, there's that weird statue thing that Pinhead stuck in, and that guy brings mm-hmm. a girl up there, and it like there's a chain that attaches to her back, and just like swoop. All of oh yeah, that yeah. is fucking cool. I think yeah. a shout out for that. Um. But I, I think for the most part, they, they tend to be pretty tame mm-hmm. in comparison. And it's not that they're they're tame movies. It's just that when 
when you're looking at the original Hellraiser uh, and, and you have um, like a reanimation scene that I think still looks good. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand that it's stop motion animation. We can probably do something that looks more realistic today it's with computers, yeah. but it's, I mean, there's something about that scene when you see the spinal cord attached to, uh, to, to, uh, to the brain. I mean, it, it, it's, it's gruesome. And um, I don't think this movie reached those heights. Um, I, I do think that it pulled punches. Um, I wonder if there's a director's cut of it somewhere where yeah. there's, um, you know, it, it wasn't emasculated in that way. Um, I do think it was fine. Uh, but it was one area where I thought, man, you know, I I was OK with the amount of story that we got. Um I mean, the characters for what they were, I was okay with it. Um, This was one place where I was like, fuck, no, give me more. It was kind of like how I felt with uh, the new Candyman, where it was like you've you've set up these amazing kills and then you pull away. It's like, no, 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 stop, stop. That's the money shot. Don't go away from that. Right. Um, But apparently Hulu thought they were making softcore when what we wanted was hardcore. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And whereas, you know, when we did the new Texas Chainsaw, Netflix was like, fuck it. Like, yeah. The yeah. Collars off. Go. Fuck them with a chainsaw. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I think the idea of pleasure demon beings that could do anything and everyone, anything to, to someone, I think there's a part of our brain that like wants to know like what is yeah. the, the hardest thing that someone could do. And I don't right. know. And they really haven't enough on as close Let's to. Yeah, like it's not like maybe the first Frank kill, and the way he just gets completely just ripped apart. Like oh, we haven't God. really, we want, we kind of want like, like whoa, that, yeah, that's some shit. So as as we're talking about the gore and, and and the the sex and all of that, I mean, yeah, that stuff's good, and they they didn't give us enough of it. But if we're being honest with ourselves, the reason that we come back to Hellraiser time and time again is Pinhead. And the Cenobites. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. We want to see what they've got. We want to see their new designs. So when we're looking at these, these new Cenobites, when we're looking at this new pinhead, how does that stuff stack up against what we've classically been given as Cenobites? And we'll go ahead and throw it out there. We get that none of them are CD head, right? So we're just going to move <laughs> forward from that. Dave, what do you think about the new Cenobites, man? Man, you know, I really dug the, the new designs. Um, I uh, I love that they were pretty androgynous, right? Uh, which is what Barker had originally written. But on top of that, um, like it it seemed like they had mutilated themselves, like their genitals, mm-hmm. uh, which which to me is like the ultimate in um, like body modification, you know. Um, and, and it's, it's also what marks you as, as a person, you know? So when, when, when you remove that, um, and, and it's not that you're, um, you know, getting a, a, a sex change, but you're just removing gender altogether, you know, you become something else. And, and I think that that's what they were. And there were some callbacks to previous Cenobites. You know, we got, 
um, a new version of Pinhead. I love the fact that um, you know the voice box had been modified. Yeah, you know, we, we we got we got those the, those little um, you know whatever the fuck they were that yeah. was in in her in her trachea. And I was like, fuck, her voice um, is equal parts turning me on and terrifying me. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I yeah, I don't know that I've ever had a harder fear boner. <laughs> <laughs> than I did during this movie because uh, Jamie Clayton is gorgeous um, and she is definitely pinhead in this yeah. movie uh, and and yet and yet there was the fear boner so um, yeah I, I the chatterer I thought was done so well oh, in, oh, yeah. in this movie um, I don't know that I prefer it to the original but it would wow. I mean, that design was incredible. Um, the one that had her scalp splayed open uh, was another design that I absolutely love. Um, honestly, I think the one that scared me the most, though, was um, the one that kept uh, wheezing because yeah. it had, you know, um, the, the the gasp. The gasp, that's what they called it. Yeah. yeah. Uh the gasp, man, that was fucking terrifying. And when it finally like full tilt sprinted at them, I was like, whoa, we've never gotten this in a Cenobite before. Yeah. It's always that slow moving. Uh, you know, it was Romero zombie versus uh, well, you know, the the World War Z zombie. It was very they're always so elegant and calculated. Yeah. Yeah. And otherworldly, yeah. ethereal. Yeah, and this was something else. This was something animalistic. Yeah. Um, and and it was it was terrifying. It was terrifying to see right away. I was like, whoa, did not expect that. Um, so I, for me, I do see myself rewatching this at some point. Uh, I did immediately after this finish put on the original. Yeah. Um I was reminded why I love that one so much. Yeah. Uh, and I followed it up the next day with Hellbound um stop there but um I, I i do kind of where i normally will stop at hellbound i do see myself skipping ahead to this one maybe uh some point in the future and a lot of it has to do with the cenobites and i think because the cenobite uh designs were so strong and and the actors were well chosen for them um it it didn't bother me that we got so much of them you know, before it was a sort of less is more thing, but I think in this case, more was more. Yeah, Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, everything you just said. Um, <laughs> the one that I actually I really liked, and again, it's the kind of thing where like I want to see more. I want to see these on brighter. I want to see like the lights turned on and like look up close, but then it's going to ruin the mystique. But right, that, they're just so evocative. It's called the mask. The one that was just like a big, like very pale character, and like mm. it looked like yeah. the face had been like peeled off and just like held up and there was no head there from my oh, yeah that was fucking cool i wanted way more of that one and then there was one that looked like kind of pregnant almost it's just kind I, of in the background was, i think it was called the mother yeah uh, where like the, the, the belly is the mother. that yeah. i was like again that was very in the background but that just caught my eyes like oh i don't want to see more of that but i do <laughs> right <laughs> um but yeah i mean jamie clayton did an amazing job um and yeah, they're all very, very cool. And again, I would love a sequel to this. I really, really, really want, like, again, a more Hellbound type mm -hmm. of sequel. Get rid of all the human characters. Yeah. Us, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I, you yeah. can keep Riley, but give 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 her a better cast, cast around her, keep Voight. 
but you know um but yeah i would say this is as far as quality the third best as far as personal enjoyability i don't know uh, three and four are still like enjoyable as like a nice yeah. camp yeah factor but yeah this is probably a better movie than those two but again for a movie with tenants for a series of 10 installments that's nothing to be uh to be ashamed of as being like you know third best right so yeah when... and i oh and i did rewatch it again today so i watched it the day it came out just because i want to get ahead of the buzz and all the discourse and then i watched it again today and i did go down a little bit better the things that annoy me still annoying me the things i loved i still loved um but it does go it does work a lot better i think on the second viewing hmm. yeah i uh my favorite Cenobite, unfortunately, was one that 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 also fell in line with one of my least favorite plot devices, and it was the the I I think it was the one called the 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 Ace the Ace Fix the one that had like the face the thing completely covering its face and its hands were like stuck in the the prayer motion until yeah. it, until it snapped and it and it ran. There was something so bizarre about that one because what i found myself trying to do was relate every cenobite to one of these gifts that you could be given mm-hmm. by the by the by the box and so i kept trying to i kept trying to find a way to to connect some of those things and with its face completely covered and it and its hands tied up like that i was torn as to whether or not that one was you know maybe after knowledge and so sensation was taken from it by covering its its mouth nose and eyes tying its hands together now you've you've removed any ability it has to sense most things and so once i thought of that when i saw that one i got really into this idea of of every cenobite qualify like what okay well this must be a a person who got through all six stages and whatever they picked Mm -hmm. they became a cenobite that related to that and so i was looking at the the like i believe it's the one that that was called the mother the one you were talking about that was super creepy looked like it was pregnant okay so this one is lust maybe and you start to get really when you start to really get into those things i loved doing that i had so much fun with that today trying to look up what all these different cenobites look like really trying to focus on on what 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 gift they might have asked for i thought they did a really good job of making them uh memorable without making them laughable as as much as i love the original hellraiser you go back sometimes and you see there's there's a couple cenobites and you go <laughs> maybe like, it's maybe it's scary, you know. Like a, but like butterball with his glasses. There, yeah, there we go. Exactly. <laughs> That's and, always been kind of funny. <laughs> and so you, they did a great job with this one. They were really diverse. It's really strange to take this idea of turning someone's skin into clothes and somehow find a way to make fashion out of that, where not everybody looks the same, and they they all looked very different. They were, even if you don't know their names, you're never mixed up about which one is which, which is really cool. They did a really awesome job making them terrifying. They gave the couple of them that had dialogue, had the exact right dialogue. For all the things that were wrong about the dialogue in this movie, the very limited phrases that we got from Cenobites were so good. 
Yeah, they and, by far are the best lines. Yeah, and, and and it was, and they, and these were actors who knew, like, I, if I want to be more than this, I got two lines, and I better sell the shit out of them, <laughs> and and they did, and so we got these Cenobites that got great dialogue, a lot of times that kind of filled in some blanks and explained things like why they were appearing to Riley, even though the blade didn't cut her, but. The one thing I was the most worried about was whether or not Jamie Clayton was going to pull it off. And that's, again, this is, we all, whenever you look at anything that starts with a reboot, requel, whatever, mm-hmm. as soon as you recast that iconic role, that's when all of us, right? Like, that's when we sit up. We're like, okay, well, then let's see what you've got. And, and as much as I love um, the guy who played Rorschach, who was then the new Freddy Krueger, um, uh, Jamie, Jackie, J- Earl, Jackie, Jackie Earl, Earl Haley, Haley. Haley. Yeah. Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. As much as I love Jackie Earl Haley, and I've seen him do a bunch of great stuff, man, it's not just that he wasn't my Freddy Krueger. He just wasn't an amazing Freddy Krueger. Was he given well, the best film? Man. But yeah, I think I think Jamie benefited the fact there were two other actors who tried to play pinhead that right so by this point the the bitterness has been washed out into bradley's shoes yeah or or boots or whatever yeah it's like it's like in 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 football or any sport really when you've got an iconic coach they always say nobody wants to be the next guy they want to be the guy after the next guy right right that's and she yeah you're right she had the benefit of being a couple times removed from there but that's where i was that's where my biggest concern was and uh, Dave, it didn't even occur to me that that thing in her throat was what was modifying her voice. So now the one thing about her that kind of annoyed me, I'm down with it. And uh, mm-hmm. I find it a plot device. So I'm good now. And I think that she was awesome. Yeah. We, we yeah. you know, when you talk about, you talk about how, yeah, the one centibite took off running and, and that was terrifying. But she's got that, that, that Michael Myers, you know, Pepe Le Pew mm-hmm. thing where just, everything's gonna go my way <laughs> i know that's right no, there's a connection there there's a connection yeah. there the same category yeah. they they never get in a hurry because things are gonna go their way because that's how it works that's how the chips fall mm-hmm. and she's just i love the fact that they took the time to do these shots of her feet and and not like in like a kinky i'm a foot guy way but in a just it really showed how casual and elegant that stride was, even though things didn't seem to be going her way at that moment. There was, there was never any panic. There was never any worry from her. It was all going to be okay because she knows people. She understands the, the, the depths of humanity better than any human ever will. And so those shots of just her feet walking to just show how smooth those steps were it was such a weird uh, clash juxtaposition is what I'm looking at. It was such a word juxtaposition. It was such a weird juxtaposition for everything else that was going on in some of those moments that really showed why she was the priest and they were just Cenobites. And again, you go to Hellbound and you look at, we get this feudal hierarchy of what the Cenobites are. And that was all it took in this movie to understand why she was on top and they did what she said. And I thought that that was, I thought that that was great. I think that she killed it. 
you know, you were, I, I was, I was worried about all the weirdest stuff. I was worried about her voice. I was worried about her not being tall. None of it ended up mattering. And I, I, I loved her. I thought that she was incredible as Pinhead. And so when, when we look at this movie, when we look at all Hellraiser movies that, yeah, this is what I'm going to remember is Pinhead and these Cenobites and, and kind of what maybe why they were doing what they were doing, but why am I going to come back? Yeah. The same reason that Jason was talking about. I want to pause these things and get up close to him. Like Dave looking at dicks, watching X. Like yeah. I want to, <laughs> like, I want to, I want to, I want to get up in there and, and see what all they've got going on. Cause there was zero chance I was pausing anything last night. I don't, I could barely move now that I know what's going to happen. Yeah. I really want to dig into the mythology of these Cenobites more because they gave me just enough to realize that they've got their own thing going on. And I dig that. Yeah. And, and hopefully, um, you know, Jason, I agree with you. I, I want more. I want more of, of this continuity, mm-hmm. uh, whether this is a continuation of the original Hellraiser or it's a reboot of that uh, or a remake of it, or they've gone back to the original source material, whatever it is that they're doing here. Um I want to see more of these Cenobites in this world uh, because or, the, or in theirs or in yeah. theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Preferably we, in theirs. If we're being honest, we uh, really yeah. didn't get an awful lot of the farther reaches. Uh, mm-hmm. We, we, and to be fair, we didn't get a, an awful lot of that in the original Hellraiser either. It wasn't exactly. until Hellbound. But, uh, you yeah. know, so, so give us, you know, um, Hellbound, two yeah yeah (laughs) you know uh now revise hellbound let's just go with it that way yeah um so this kind of just leaves us with our ratings um and so for for those of you that are uh new to the show we never rate a movie with stars uh because if you do then that says that you have to compare it to another movie right. uh, that you also gave stars to. And we think movies should be rated um, only against themselves. Um, granted, when you're talking about a movie that's part of a series, you do have to acknowledge the other films in the series, but more or less, you're, we like to look at movies here uh, you know, just, just against themselves. So um, one, one of the things that we do here at Shiver Jason is we always give our guests the, uh, the option of naming the metric that we're going to use for, uh, for the rating system. Um, so, you know, in the past, we've, uh, we've given, uh, what was it that we gave last week for uh, Last Terrifier. week for Terrifier, we did... Uh... Oh hell, I don't remember. It wasn't vagina saws. What was I know? It? I think we decided against <laughs> vagina saws, but yeah. uh, I remember with uh, always, with, please. Yeah, yeah. With, with with black phone, we did we did black balloons. Right. Uh, we've done uh, we we we've done a lot of diff- We've done a lot of different stuff. We kind of end up all over the place. I think back when we did silver bullet, we did like pe- broken peacemaker baseball bats. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> anything that's like kitschy and specific to that movie. So. So Jason, we're 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 gonna throw it to you, and and I probably should have warned you about this, but it's been a crazy evening. So Jason, <laughs> what are we rating out of a possible five? A possible five, what? You can also say uh, fuck it, and we'll we'll come up with it. No, I was gonna do piano wires. Oh, I'll nice. take it. Yeah, I'll take yeah. it. 
Uh, so, Jason, out of a possible five piano wires, how many piano Ooh. wires do you get this? Mm. Do, you, do you do half piano wires? Yes. Yeah, we do. Halves, but no quarters. Okay. I'm going to do three and a half. Okay. I feel like if I, yeah, like I like it a lot, but there's definitely room for improvement on its own. Like if I, wa- if the, I watch this, never seen another Hellraiser movie, never heard of Hellraiser. I'd be like, yeah, that was pretty good. There was some cool stuff in there. But yeah, I, I definitely think, like I said, I think the logic stuff needs to be worked out and the acting, uh, it's not the dialogue wasn't great, but there's very evocative imagery. Yeah. And definitely places they can go with it. So I'm going three and a half piano wires. All right. Daniel? Make them rusty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that this is an excellent installment in the Hellraiser franchise. And I think that it definitely deserves a spot up there with Hellraiser and Hellbound. I, I, I definitely put it in, in league with those three, in line with those three. I, um, in, in, staying, in staying on brand here, I do like Hellbound more than Hellraiser, even though I love them both. Mm-hmm. And, and I put them, I put it up there with them. That is very on brand for you. You are a sequel guy. I'm a sequel guy. It's weird. <laughs> um, but this is, this is one where, yeah, there are some wonky jumps in logic here. Uh, there is some not wonderful acting, but there is just enough storytelling. Gore could have been pushed a little bit more. If I'd never seen a Hellraiser movie before, would I be interested in this? Would I want to see more? Yeah, definitely. I'm really, really torn on this one. But as as the guy who who tends to like things, I am gonna I'm gonna err on the side of of liking it a little bit more. And I'm I feel comfortable sitting on this with four, with it kind of losing a half star out of um, the the acting. And, and I wish I got more out of the gore and I was torn between three and a half and five, but I did really enjoy myself. And that Hellraiser feel that's been gone for so long is worth another half star to me so, or half piano wire to me. So I'm going to go four out of five piano wires for this one. Okay. All right. Um, so I was torn between three and three and a half stars. Uh, because I did like this movie, but it's it's got a lot of faults, um, and I and I think that that's due to um, to it being essentially a the first part of a series. Right. Um, you know, uh, Bruckner I think had a, a near impossible task, which is to make a Hellraiser movie that was not bad. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think we've know, reached the point where that is a damn near impossible task. Yeah, like how how many Hellraiser movies have come and gone, and 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 we we watch it for Doug Bradley, and that's it, yeah. you know. So um, it, the fact that he made a Hellraiser movie without Doug Bradley, and I think made a pretty good one, is uh, is is a feat unto itself. Uh, the fact that. Clive Barker was really n- not involved until the very end, uh, you know, did get his seal of approval, but that's about it. I mean, that again, um, I, I think that's, that's a feat uh, because he is Hellraiser right. you know, in, in, in the same way 
um, that, uh, you know, Don Coscarelli is Phantasm. Like, you can't do Phantasm without Don Coscarelli. So, um, to me, it was amazing that this felt like Hellraiser and yet wasn't and was something new where, um, like, my, my students are talking about this movie. You know, and 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 to hey, me that we're hip with the kids. Uh, yeah, you know, to to me that says something that um that the next generation is coming in and and becoming interested in Hellraiser again because I I feel like Hellraiser was for our generation like that was what Halloween was for our parents' generation. You know, um, so it, it's. It's an amazing thing. I, I think it's a great time to be a horror fan, uh, you know, because we have Halloween again and it's good uh, because we're we're looking down the barrel of a new Friday the 13th movie. Finally, right. you know, uh, because we've got Hellraiser back uh, because we've got guys like Jordan Peele and Ari Aster. You know, this is a great time to be a horror movie fan. Uh, you know, the, the dark days are over, I think. <laughs> and <laughs> This year, especially like. Yeah, There's so many good movies like this is this probably won't make my top 10, but any other year, I'm sure it would. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, and that's a testament to how, how great a year this has been for uh, for horror and for cinema in in yeah. general. You know, there's yeah. been some really good stuff that's come out. I don't know if um, it's like COVID back up now that they're kind of releasing everything that they've been holding on to. Yeah, like Pray yeah. for the Devil is finally coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that's been being advertised for three years. I don't even know if I care about it anymore. Am I going to watch it? <laughs> Hell yeah. But I mean, uh, <laughs> well, that was kind of like the black phone. You know, I feel like yeah. the black phone I heard about like 10 years ago <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, it's coming out. Like, Oh, finally, you know? Um, and, and that was another fucking awesome movie. So uh, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I think this year's so stacked that that will make my top 10 probably. Wow. Um, I mean, so yeah, I, I, I think I'm definitely going to go with three and a half stars here because there's definite room for improvement. I, I need more gore. Um, I need better characters. Uh, but I think that there was enough story here. I think that we got great Cenobites. Um, and, uh, and, and I think with a little bit of refinement, uh, Hellbound 2, uh, Electric Boogaloo <laughs> would, uh, uh, would, would, would be fantastic, you know? And so that's that's gonna so that's gonna bring us to a spot that we don't sit at. So we're gonna round that down to three point five piano wires is the yeah. official shiver rating on Hellraiser, the brand new one released in twenty twenty two. Jason, we really appreciate you coming on with us, man. Uh, tell the people about your podcast where they can find you. Yeah, so uh, my podcast is Dads from the Crypt, and it's basically three dads, and we're reviewing every episode of Tales from the Crypt. Um, again, like you said. They're not if, if you've ne- if you've never seen them, they're not the most complex shows in the world. You can tell <laughs> someone the plot in less than a few minutes. Um, you can also find them on YouTube if you look hard enough. Um, they are on iTunes. I do own uh, a few of the seasons. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. I think I don't think you can buy them new. I think if you bought them previously, at least that's mine. Oh, like you had to have bought them before. You can't get them anymore. Yeah, I don't oh, think you, I don't think oh. you can buy them because the rights are really messed up because of yeah lots of reasons. Anyway, so yeah, we're three dads. We talk Tales from the Crypt. I know people who, again, who have never seen Tales from the Crypt who are just watching it just to hear, just to hear us, which is, you know, shocking. That's a, t- um, yeah, it's a testament to doing something great, man. Yeah, and then, like I said, we talk music. We talk random ad stuff or whatever the hell we feel like talking about. We talk about horror movies. Um, we're on all your podcasts. We have a YouTube channel, 
And we've actually been branching out with a couple things that we just started a new series uh, that I'm trying out on YouTube called a vault of the horror collector, mm. where we find someone who has a vast collection of screen used horror props, costumes. Oh, cool. So they're going to give us a little tour just to show off what they got. Um, and then we're also working with some of the producers of the original Tales the Crypt show. And they're doing like interviews with people that they used to work with and giving kind of insights so uh, we're all kind of intertwined with them. So um, yeah, check it out. See if you like it. Yeah, and uh, so you can find uh, Jason and his crew over uh, on Instagram at Dads from the Crypt. That mm-hmm. seems to be uh, where you, your all your social medias are from. Definitely check them out. Give them a follow. Uh, we really appreciate you being on, man. I think you were spectacular. I think oh, you did a you. great job. You definitely know your shit, and we appreciate it. Make sure that you head to shiverpod.com where you can find links to all of our stuff, including links to watch the show, all of our socials, which are at shiverpod. And I am I need to get in there and add the one more link because don't forget, if you head to Public, you can search for shiverpod and you can buy uh, our, our merchandise with this logo right here. That's super awesome. So uh, make sure you follow us. Shiverpod.com is your home to find all of those links. And... Do us a favor, and if you love the show, just tell one person for us this week. That'll go a long way. We appreciate everybody who listens every week. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, make sure uh, that you're checking out all of the – geek bro network podcast we've got a if if you're a human being who is alive uh or if you are a cenobite who uh is looking for something to do on the downtime um we've got a podcast for you um so uh they do about everything but sports uh just about and that's kind of uh interesting because nary's a big sports guy um and you're a big sports guy uh, I'm 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 a I'm big on my teams, like really, gotcha. like I always watch my teams play. But I'm not a guy who will like watch football all day just because games are on. I catch my Dolphins, I catch my Braves, I catch my Tide, and then I'm pretty much good. And my Detroit Pistons, but they suck right now. So. <laughs> um, I, I I laugh, but I don't know uh, because I, uh, <laughs> I, I am I am not a sportsman. Um, I, I don't follow the sports. Dave, um, Dave's, Dave's a, I just hope both teams have fun guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Participation trophies for everyone. Yeah. That's, um, um, uh, that's, that's kind of where I fall, but, uh, unl- other than sports, we've got a podcast for you. Uh, so, so make sure that you're checking out, um, you know, some of the geek bro podcasts, make sure you're checking out, uh, dads from the crypt. Um, and uh, we've got some cool stuff coming up for you next week. Uh, we're doing uh, season of the witch. But the, the the hype is real, people. We've been on it Wait. for a year now. Yeah, Tom, Tom Atkins or Nicholas Cage? Uh, no, Tom Atkins. Tom, Tom Atkins. Atkins. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The real the, the real Halloween one. three season of the witch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 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 then we've got a, a, a surprise one uh, for the end of the month. We which, do which will be fun. We uh we. Just trust us. Make sure you stay tuned to all of our socials. We are we'll, we'll hype this one for a week out, but just trust us when we say we have something very special planned for October 26th. A lot of guests and a lot of fun coming on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on behalf of all of us here at Shiver, fright you very much. <laughs> <laughs>